I am Elle Penelope, author of Epic Fantasy and Paranormal Romance, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Saturday, March 5th, 2022, and this is episode 161 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. So this week's best thing... It's getting harder and harder for me to pick. Sometimes I can't talk about this week's best thing, but um, I think I'm going to go with the documentary Genius, which is about Kanye West, and it's on Netflix. And it is 21 years of one of his good friends, uh, someone he grew up with or someone he knew since he was young, following him with a camera <laughs> during the early days. It's a three-part documentary. And as a former documentary filmmaker myself, um, I really appreciated everything that had kind of went into it. Um, I co-directed a documentary called WTF in OKMentary, and it's about the website OKPlayer.com, which is the website for The Roots and a bunch of other artists. So it started out as The Roots, and there are these message boards. And it started in 1999, which is the year that I graduated from college. So my co-director, Tim, was the actual um DP, he was the videographer, and he traveled across the country and to other countries to interview people. I was the editor, and then we sort of shaped the film and editing. And so it didn't take decades, and you know, it took a couple of years for us to make this film. We had other people that, and we all met on these message boards, and that's kind of the point of the film, which I think we finished in 2005. Uh, to, and at that point, meeting people online was still novel and not what it is today. So anyway, we did festivals, you know, and that was a really great experience. It was really difficult. And we had, um, I'll say dozens of tapes. I cannot imagine going through 20 years of videotapes because the process is you have to watch them all, kind of transcribe them, at least what we did. We did like a, a rough transcription so we could do a paper edit, which is, you know, what, what everyone said if there were interviews and um, then getting the story together, writing the script based on the transcripts and putting the story together. And not just transcripts of words, but of the images. Like, okay, maybe it's not an interview, maybe no one's talking, but this is a video of so-and-so, you know, these two people at the park throwing a frisbee or, you know, whatever it is. So yeah, just the sheer effort involved in something like that and undertaking that big. But also the fact that it was a person who knew him well from a young age. And if you know anything about Kanye West, he's very volatile. I believe he's actually diagnosed as bipolar. He's been having lots of mental health episodes. Bipolar comes on usually in your mid-20s. And I think you can kind of see in the documentary, you know, it starts when he's, I think he's 22, 21. And working on his first album, trying to get a record deal, recording the songs. That first album is one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time. You know, I will give him his roses there. And you kind of, it's just, it's magnetic and interesting to see both the rise, knowing where he is, especially now in his life. And not that he's fallen per se, there's not, hasn't been a fall, but there's been a, as he is going through these mental health issues in the public eye, it's just difficult. And I, I saw one article calling it heartbreaking. Part of it is heartbreaking kind of to see. And there's parts of, you know, when he's um, filming and you can see that Kanye is having a manic episode and his friend, Cootie, who's one of the, the videographer, is like, yeah, I could tell. And I stopped filming at, at certain points when he could really just see the 
the devolving of his mental health on camera and didn't feel right, you know, capturing that. But also as someone who just is, he's living with this, it's going to be from what is in the documentary. He seems like he's kind of perpetually in a manic period. And sometimes you can tell maybe he's not on his meds. Maybe he is on his meds for a number of reasons. It's a really moving documentary, um, especially if you're a fan of hip hop and especially if you're a fan of the college dropout album or Kanye in general. Like I think the only album of his that I actually own is that first one. And uh, I really, on on many levels, I I thought that was a really great documentary. And I hope that he gets all the awards um, the filmmakers do because it's, it's, yeah, it's really powerful. In writing news, I have been plotting Savage City, book two, which is called Beastly Kingdom. Um, I actually did find notes that I had written on the series. So this morning, as it happens, I was going through Google Keep, which is um, an app that I use on my phone and on the computer just for notes. It's it's basically replaced Apple Notes as my main note-taking app. And I was cleaning up some old things off of it, and I was just going back through all the notes to see, oh, what's in here? I was curious. Savage City Notes for books one through three. And I was like, ah, I knew I had some more stuff somewhere. I hadn't been able to find it, and this is where it was. So that was good. Um, And I've, I've gotten to the point where now I have a rough outline. I've gone through the Save the Cat spreadsheet that I made and filled in some things. Still pretty far from being complete, but I have a framework that I can work on and improve. And I've made some really good discoveries. For instance, as I was plotting, I was kind of lamenting that I hadn't thought through the magic and the um, all of the rules of society and the lore in more detail. I, I had enough for book one. And that's usually how I do it, though. Like, I'm not a person that thinks of everything possible. I I limit it to what I need for what I'm writing. And then, then I was like, I'm going to have to kind of retcon some stuff. That's what I was thinking. Like, how am I going to make this work? I don't have any basis for these new things, that I, these ideas that I have for book two. And then I was reading through my story Bible in Scrivener of notes that I had made and actually quotes from the book. Some of it is things I pulled out like as evidence of, okay, this is canon for this particular thing. And I found the perfect, the perfect thing for exactly what I needed. And I was like, it's there. And I think I had forgotten that it usually is there. Like I've written, you know, in the series that I've written, I'll go back to book one and read through it and be able to pick out things that I can use to bolster something. And when I wrote it in book one, I didn't have any idea consciously that it was, you know, of what I was going to use it for in the future. But I do believe my subconscious is at work and there's things that are just layered there that I don't even know about consciously. So it was one of those serendipitous things that gives me a great motivation for the conflict, the romantic conflict, especially that I didn't know that I had. And um, it just made me so happy. <laughs> Also using the structure as inspiration for the plot. So as I'm filling out the Save the Cat worksheet and kind of using that, okay, this is the step. We're at the all is lost. What needs to happen here? Okay, I know the all is lost is when the hero hits rock bottom. So what is the worst thing that can happen? I didn't have an idea in my mind about necessarily that plot point before I got to it. And then I can just brainstorm, okay, based on what I know already about the character and their backstory and their wound and their motivation, what is the worst thing that can happen at this dark moment? Um, or the all is lost. 
And I really, I'm, I go back and forth between plot and character, and that seems to work, you know, it's somewhat frustrating. I still do feel like I have a long way to go, but I'm really happy that I have made the discoveries and the decisions that I have, even if some of them will change in the future as I, as I continue. Uh, so the goal is to do another week of refining the plot. It doesn't have to be super refined. I'm going to just let this process breathe a little bit um, because of timing issues and also just because I think the story is there. It's in my subconscious. And so another week of plotting and then I'll start the fast draft and do a two week fast draft of this book just to get everything out. And I think it'll be, I think it'll be fine because this is somewhat shorter than the longer fantasy books that I write. And I think I, I am ready to discover things as I'm writing them. Sometimes I will want much more detail going forward, you know, have a, a very detailed outline before I do my fast draft. And other times I can do a much looser outline before the fast draft. And, uh, I kind of just decide based on the project, based on how I'm feeling, the vibe and the energy of it and my inspiration levels, I guess. So yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty positive about that. Other books, um, Orbit Book Two, the second book in my Orbit contract. I did hear back from my editor. I got notes from her yesterday. Uh, the publisher had to weigh in with his thoughts also. And they had some interesting things that I hadn't thought about. So I had given in, I think I sent her an eight page outline or synopsis and a two page version <laughs> and then a two paragraph version. I was trying to like condense it. And there were a couple of points that, you know, ideas that, that were raised either from my editor or from the publisher and nothing bad. Like it, it opened my mind to some things. I didn't really have any pushback, like one little thing I pushed back on, but the rest of it was kind of like, okay, that's interesting. Let me think about how I can incorporate that idea. None of it touched the core of what I'm excited about in the story. So as long as it doesn't touch that, I'm open to suggestions and I think it could help the creative process to, to get input, things I haven't thought of or considered. And so I like it. I like the ideas. And so it's just a matter of going back and moodling some more, giving myself a little bit of time to consider, to incorporate, to re replot, I guess, or work them into what I have, into the story that I have and the characters and start writing. I am in the position that I don't like to be in, of being in the same stage of two books at the same time. New deadline for Orbit Book 2 is August 1st. I need to, if I'm going to match the schedule for Savage City Book 2, the same schedule that I had last year, which is going to copy edits in November, I need to be writing, I mean, in first draft for both, both of them. And it is not my preference to be in the same stage of two books at the same time. But August 1st is only five months away. And so that is a little bit aggressive for writing. And no, it's the first draft. Um, it's different in, in previous books that I know I'm going to have a full developmental edit on this book. I still want to give her something that's as clean as possible. You know, I don't want to just give her something super rough, but I know that I don't have to write a book that is going to go straight to copy edits, which is what's happened in the past. And so that gives me a little bit of leeway. My plan right now is to do the fast draft of Beastly Kingdom, Savage City 2, in March, like I said, by the end of March, then do the fast draft of Orbit Book 2 in April. 
that will give me May, June, and July to revise. Then, when I send it in August, I can revise Beastly Kingdom in August and September. This is the plan that I have right now, so I don't have to do two things at once. There could be a little bit of overlap, you know, um, if I need to take a break on one, I could maybe revisit another, but in general, I'm going to try to focus on one thing at a time, which always works best, 100% of my effort, so I can get it done in that time period. (sighs) Knowing that if there is some overlap, it's minimal. I'm trying to minimize it. That's the plan right now. Those are the deadlines right now. Um, There is this other project that's kind of floating out there that I haven't heard back on that like it's not possible to add on now. So whatever happens with the 1830s project, it will have to be after (laughs) these deadlines. And I told my agent that I kind of recapped the conversation. And so, yeah, I've got my marching orders. I've got my plan. I've got my schedule and um, an overview of what I need to get done when and hopefully not pushing anything back anymore. Um, meeting this August 1st deadline would mean Orbit Book 2 comes out sometime in November of 2023. And yeah, it helps me to just focus and organize to have this down. And even though I feel a little bit like, hmm, can I do this? Is it enough time? Because, you know, this book, uh, the Orbit Book 2, is a biggish book. <laughs> it's got big ideas in it. I still have some research that I'm going to be doing while I'm fast drafting Beast of the Kingdom. This research I've mentioned that I was supposed to be doing while I was taking this break that I, of course, did not do. I, I did not actually do the things I thought I was going to do on the past two weeks, that I, or three weeks, that I haven't been writing writing, although this past week I was plotting. I didn't actually get to any of the courses I wanted to. I did work on marketing Savage City, and that's been going well. Um, but yeah best laid plans. I didn't make a good plan about how I was going to actually do those things, which is on me. But also maybe I just needed more of a mental break than I was trying to give myself. And I had fun resting my brain, focusing on the marketing for a while, and then focusing on the plotting. And then there were some other things that were just taking my attention away and life things. So I couldn't, you know, giving myself grace and, um, come up with a plan for the future for, you know, taking, actually doing the courses that I I signed up for and are sitting in my inbox waiting for me and all those other things. These books I have to kind of go through, research I have to do. But it also helps to have the deadline now and be like, okay, now I can be super focused. I'm back in gear. I'm energized and excited to go forward. In Savage City Marketing News, the pre-order giveaway is live. I will link to that in the show notes. Um, Savage City, the Goodreads giveaway is live. So please enter the Goodreads giveaway so you can shelve the book on Goodreads. I'm giving away three signed paperback copies, US and Canada. And the ebook is on NetGalley. The audiobook is going to be on NetGalley. I met with uh, Orange Sky, the audiobook producers, and we went over their marketing plan, which I'm super excited about too. They're going to get the audiobook on, onto NetGalley. Like I said, it should be done within the next week or so, the actual audiobook, so I can hear it and start getting clips out there. Uh, so everything's moving forward, going pretty smoothly. I'm happy with where the pre-orders are at. I do have a goal that I'm trying to hit. And uh, yeah, just there's some things that on my list of things to do that I, I haven't gotten to yet. But I've ordered paperbacks. Um, 
I've ordered some from Amazon and some from Draft to Digital for the uh, the ones that I'm sending out. So people can order signed paperbacks directly from me for my website. So I need to make sure I have enough stock to cover that. I'll be ordering swag next week to make sure it gets here on time and like some packaging materials and things like that. So that is going. I'm finding that I'm maybe I'm doing too much because I'm like, uh, I should post about this. And then I don't. That's also a problem. I need to just schedule it. One the thing I'm planning to do this weekend is getting on Buffer and Later.com. So I use Buffer to, to schedule Twitter and Facebook posts, and then I use Later.com to schedule Instagram posts, and that's been working well. So I'm going to do a few more of those, just pre-schedule them so that it's it's done and I don't have to think too much more about it. And then I'm kind of noodling whether I want to do some sort of online launch event on the actual day of launch. I'm kind of shying away from it because I don't know. I, I I don't know if I can take on another thing like that. I was thinking of just like going live on Instagram that, that day and just chatting with people, <laughs> like something low key, you know, or maybe like having someone come live on me, on with me and doing a chat. We'll see what happens. In publishing news, the big news this week is Brendan Sanderson's Kickstarter. So it went live March 1st. I'm recording this March 5th at 10 a.m. I don't know what time on March 1st it went live. Uh, it's at $23.3 million. So this has been all over the place. If you haven't heard, fantasy author extraordinaire Brandon Sanderson did a Kickstarter where he revealed he'd written four secret novels that he hadn't told anyone about. And the only way that you can get them is via this Kickstarter. He's also doing a book subscription box. Um, so you can, you can either just buy the books or you can buy a subscription and every month you'll get a box full of swag from one of his worlds. It's a big deal. He earned something like $4 million in the first few hours. It was like 6 or $7 million in the first day. Five days later, he's got 26 days to go. And it's if you go to this link, I'll link in the show notes, you can watch the money tick up as you're like, in real time. Like it's It just scaled up another couple hundred dollars. So that's interesting and fascinating and amazing. I've seen reactions from, this is great for everyone, like a rising tide lifts all ships. You know, he's doing this indie. He already makes seven-figure advances for his traditionally published books. But the fact that he can do this is good news for us because none of us are going to make millions of dollars on Kickstarter. But the, I, the fact that he's kind of laying this groundwork will help us in our own small ways, you know. Um, so I've seen really positive takes. And then I've seen some people be like, none of us are ever going to make millions of dollars on Kickstarter. Like, no, we're not Brandon Sanderson. We're not going to do that. I take the more positive tack. Like, I don't have any plans to do a book on Kickstarter. Uh, that's not, I'm not interested in that per se. Like, I've been a part of other Kickstarters for anthologies and things. And I think it's fine, you know, if that's what you want to do. I don't have a problem with it. I just, for me, it's just, I'm just not interested. But um, I do believe that, you know, bringing, bringing people and awareness of this sort of kind of self-publishing. It's, it's a way of selling direct. It's a way of, of reaching readers and doing something cool for your readers and getting people excited. You know, I think the initial day was his readers. And now it's just like, oh, I want to be a part of this cool thing. I think it's going to be the biggest Kickstarter that's ever been, you know, 26 days to go. <laughs> Is he going to hit 50 million? Like what's the sky's the limit. And, uh, I know, I imagine that he had no idea that it would be this big. And people are also talking about his poor fulfillment team. Like, apparently he's got, 
you've got you know a whole team of people and a whole house on his property where they do fulfillment of these things. He's going to have to build another house for all this because it's at 97,000 backers right now, almost 98,000. And like I said, by the time you hear this or watch this, he'll probably have earned another 10, $20 million. So like, I think it's cool. I am happy that it's happening. Um, it's exciting. It doesn't have anything to do with me, but <laughs> It's nice to see. It's nice to see people excited about books, about book worlds, about fantasy. You know, like, I think that does. I think that does lift all boats, whatever. Um, and yeah, see how see how far it goes. You know, other other authors are making good money, like good five figures on Kickstarter for things like these boxes. And, um, and I could see, I, I kind of do want to do like a book box type thing just because I like designing swag and I like, I don't like getting boxes. I don't subscribe to any subscription boxes personally because my house is a clutter mess <laughs> and I don't want any more things in my house. But I know people like that kind of thing and I like making it. And uh, my whole dining room is is swag. <laughs> and as the release of Savage City and the things that I'm going to be ordering come in, my dining room table is usually just covered with bookmarks and stickers and envelopes and, pa- and packaging things. So. I had to clean it up for Christmas. Uh, and slowly it's encroaching back on the dining room table. Cause that's just the biggest surface in the house. Anyway, exciting things happening in the world of fantasy and self-publishing and publishing in general. And finally, I, in my Google keep archive, I've got lots of quotes, ideas, notes. I came across this quote, this quote from Brene Brown and it's kind of long. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it just hit me. I think it hit me because of right now where I am. And it was just one of those things that I really needed to hear. So in case any of you need to hear this, this is the quote. I think midlife is when the universe gently places her hands upon your shoulders, pulls you close and whispers in your ear, I'm not screwing around. It's time. All of this pretending and performing, these coping mechanisms that you've developed to protect yourself from feeling inadequate and getting hurt, has to go. Your armor is preventing you from growing into your gifts. And that was something that I really needed to hear. Uh, There's been conflict going on in every facet of my life for the past few months. And I am a naturally conflict-diverse person. And I feel like the universe is telling me that I have to get used to it, that I have to get more comfortable with the conflict. I have to be less afraid of it. And I do recognize that being conflict averse is a form of armor. Like there's certain defense mechanisms that we all grow through and your armor is preventing you from growing into your gifts. Basically it's blocking your blessings. And that is something that I needed to hear. So if you needed to hear it, I hope that it helps you too. So my goals for the coming week are to continue plotting Savage City and working on thinking about these new ideas, I guess plotting Orbit Book 2, and get ready for that fast draft in another week, and get get on this schedule. <laughs> Writing words are coming back. I've taken a, a brief hiatus from word making, but no more. And I hope that you have a wonderful week, and I will talk to you next time. For episode show notes and to sign up for the Footnotes newsletter and get the show notes in your inbox, go to myimaginaryfriendsshow.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch the video episodes on YouTube. You can email me at podcast at lpenelope.com. I would really appreciate a rating and review to help support the show. And My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. 
for more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcast.